past week as I was preparing my message, I uh, was really struggling and wrestling through. I was talking to Dr. Mason yesterday morning, and I said, Doc, I know you know what it's like to really wrestle through a message. I said, I, I've been wrestling through this message all week long. Uh, so much so, I've been in three different texts all week. And, and, uh, and then the Lord led me uh, late this week to where we're at this morning and Oddly enough, it's kind of all three themes kind of rolled into one passage, and I think God will speak to us certainly by his word this morning. But I want to begin this morning with a quote, and it's a quote from a, a Scottish minister who lived during the 1800s. Now, perhaps you've heard of him. His name is Robert Murray McShane. How many of you have heard of Robert Murray McShane? Can I see your hand? One of you, two of you, all right. Well, I tell you what, if you find anything that Robert, McShurry, uh, Robert Murray McShane wrote, uh, you'll be greatly benefited and helped. And um, he was a man who passed what seems far before his time. Uh, he died at the age of 29. And he was often remembered for saying something like this. Listen to what he said. He says, what a man is on his knees before God, that he is and nothing more. What a man is on his knees before God, that he is and nothing more. And so as we think about that, I think about the measure of a man this morning as we're considering Father's Day and thinking through, well, what is the measure of a man? And I think we find it in the Apostle Paul. You've opened your Bible this morning to Ephesians chapter 3, and, and I've learned this to be true in my life. I wonder if you've seen it true in your life. But if you ever really want to know, or, or even better yet, peer into the heart of another person, the best way I think that we do that is by listening to someone else pray. How many of you have found that to be true in your life? Can I see your hand? I think if you really want to see the heart of someone else, you peer into their heart by listening to them pray. Well, Ephesians chapter 3 is just that. You and I, as followers of Christ, have this great privilege to peer into the heart of the Apostle Paul, to listen to his pray, prayer as he approaches God. And I want us this morning, as we kind of get this glimpse of looking into Paul's heart and hearing how Paul prayed, this morning I think what we will discover is we will find a source of encouragement that propelled Paul throughout all of his life and all of his ministry. You know, this week I've been reminded, maybe more so than in other weeks, how that certainly within a congregation of this size, like that is here this morning, that there is a lot of emotions wrapped up in this room. It's a lot of emotions. Actually, I thought about what someone said this past week. They put it this way. They said, our emotions have movement. That's why they're called emotions, and if you think about that, it's really helpful when you kind of consider that and think about your emotions and, and kind of ask ourselves, well, how do I feel? You know, some of us are not really a good judge of how we feel on a certain day. Others of us are really tied in to our emotions. But when you think about that an emotion is, is actually an emotion, it's, it, it's something that you feel, but it's taking you in a certain direction. It's leading you in a certain way. I want you to ask yourself this question. I invite you this morning to think about since you've walked in these doors and whatever you felt like, I want you to try and, and just in a few simple moments describe how it is you feel. And then I want you to think about where are those emotions 
carrying you? Where are they leading you to? Because I'm sure, right, within a room this size, this large, certainly, wouldn't we all say there's a mixed bag of emotions here this morning? And maybe you're here this morning, and what would describe your life is that you're just completely overwhelmed with some crippling fears. I mean, you this morning have an anxious heart, and no one else might know it this morning, but man, you do. And it's eating you alive. It's just like feeling like it's just overwhelming you. Others of us in this room this morning, maybe our feelings are different. Maybe you walked into church today and and what would describe your emotions and your feelings is just this perplexing doubt. You're really wrestling with where you're at in your Christian life, so much so that you have been almost on the verge of giving up this week. But something in you brought you this morning, something in you pulled you to be here this morning. You're really not sure why you're here, but I believe the Spirit of God brought you here. Maybe this morning, that's where you're at. You're in a moment where you're really wrestling through some serious doubts and you're on the verge of giving up. Maybe some of you that are here this morning have been in a season of deep loss. I think I can relate to that with you this morning. And it seems as if though the last number of days or weeks have just been marked by a deep sadness, a profoundly deep sadness. Maybe this week you've been in the midst of a spiritual struggle. And if you're really honest, you've been knocked down far more times than you would care to admit. And this morning, what you feel like is you feel like defeated. You feel like you're covered and almost being smothered by a blanket of shame. And that's been your week. And those are your emotions. And I ask you this morning, what are you feeling and where are those emotions taking you? And maybe this morning you have been marked by a season of great joy. This week has been a really happy week. And God's done some pretty exciting things in your life. And walking into church this morning, your soul, that would be the word you would describe in your soul today, would be joy. But you know what I believe this morning? I believe that the word of God has the power to cut through every emotion that you and I are experiencing. The Bible says that the word of God discerns our thoughts. It discerns our motives. I I think the word of God discerns our feelings. And my prayer, my prayer for you as a church this week and this morning has been that the spirit of God would pervade our midst. And the Lord would surround you with himself this morning. And that we, like the apostle Paul, might discover what it looks like to find encouragement in life and what is the true source of, of our encouragement. So would you bow your head with me this morning? Bow your head and let us pray as we seek God together. Father, Lord, we pray this morning. We come, Lord, recognizing and believing that you exist. Lord, by faith, we know that you are a rewarder of those that diligently seek you. And so, God, as we've gathered with others that as well are are working through emotions, as well as are are, are wrestling through things this week. Father, may this morning we find our true source of encouragement. May you plunge our hearts deeper than just a surfal pragmatism of something that we think might make us happy. And Lord, show us deeply what it looks like to be truly encouraged and motivated as a follower of Christ. Lord, I pray this morning that your spirit would would help me, Lord, as I preach, 
Lord, that you would fill me with your spirit. I pray this morning that those that hear would have hearts that are just not listening, but Lord, ears that would hear and, and Lord, by your grace, find comfort and strength and encouragement this morning. Lord, we need your help in this time and we ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said... Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? We're going to read Ephesians chapter 3. Paul begins, notice with me, we're going to pick up in verse 13. Paul says, so I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, and which is your glory. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and earth is named, according to the riches of his glory, that he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, and that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think according to the power that work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. May God bless the reading of his word. Listen, I want to ask you a question. I want you to peer this morning into the Apostle Parr's heart as Paul prays for a church. And I want you to think about how Paul prays for them. Do you see how Paul describes that this church might know some things, that they might experience some things? And as you read that passage, I don't know what it does in your heart, but I want to ask you this question. When was the last time you ever prayed for somebody like that? You know? I think a lot of times we're really good with asking God for things. We're really good with asking God for things, physical things, for somebody else. But I mean, when was the last time you prayed for somebody to be strengthened in their inner man? Do you see what Paul's talking about? When was the last time you prayed that they might understand and comprehend the limitless love of Christ? Because Paul says, notice in your Bible, beginning in verse 14, notice how Paul begins his prayer. He says, for this reason. Notice verse 14. Do you see it? For this reason. Reason. You say, what reason, Paul? What reason? Well, look back in your Bible at verse 13. Notice the reason that Paul gives. He says, I ask you not to lose heart for what I am suffering, which is for your glory. You see, Paul, he's writing this letter to this church, and in, in doing so, one of the things that Paul wants this church to so deeply understand was that he did not want them to lose heart. He did not want them to lose heart in, in, in the Christian life that God had for them, and so in, in order to not lose heart, Paul's answer for that is prayer. And he goes to his knees and he begins to pray and he says, for this reason, in light of the gospel and all the glory of what God has done in this world, Paul says, I'm bowing my knees right now so that this church would not lose heart. That's been my prayer this week for you. And I wonder, when was, when was the last time you prayed that way for somebody else? that they would comprehend the limitless love of Christ and that they so would be strengthened by God's Spirit in the inner man. If you're taking notes this morning, I want to give you three simple things. I want us to see my source of encouragement. That's the title of the message this morning, my source of encouragement. And I think if we peer into the heart of the Apostle Paul, we find really three 
things where Paul's source of encouragement came from. The first is this. Paul would say, my source of encouragement is the heart of God the Father. My source of encouragement is the heart of God the Father. Notice how Paul says in verse 14, for this reason, I bow my knees before who? Before who? Before the Father. What is today? Father's Day, and it's also what? Juneteenth. It's kind of interesting as I thought about the calendar from a Christian perspective that both of those two dates coalesced on the same day. Because as a Christian, what we think about that is that the moment we come to Christ, we enter into and we begin to experience this relationship with God. We begin to experience the deepest love of our Heavenly Father, the ultimate Father, the Father of all fathers. Like the Father in whom the definition of what fatherhood is all about from. And as a Christian, we begin to comprehend and enter into that deepest love. But as a Christian also, we recognize that in Christ, all men have experienced their truest freedom from deliverance, from the greatest oppression, and that is the oppression of sin. And so as a Christian today, we, we think about what's on the calendar and we think about not just these physical, tangible moments that we are to celebrate and to think back and, and to remember and, and to show appreciation for, but even in a greater way, you and I as Christians this morning, we think about the hope that is ours in our Heavenly Father. We think about the eternal life, the everlasting, everlasting life that has been given to us by God's Son. This morning, I want you just to take a deep breath in with me. Can you do that? And blow it out. Life. Life. But God's given you, if you're a child of God, everlasting life. Everlasting life. You'd breathe again with me? Let it out. Who allowed you to take that breath? God did. The Father. The Father above. That, that you see, what we see is how amazing, as Paul begins to pray, notice what he begins to see. He's How amazing that, that Paul says in verse 13, the reason why he wants the church not to lose heart is because he's in the middle of his suffering. But, but how amaz amazing for you and I to think about that, that, that in our life and in our suffering, that, that we not only cry out to a, to a commanding king or an almighty creator, but as a child of God who has trusted Christ for salvation, that when we bow our knees and we pray, we pray to who? The Father. We pray to the Father. The Father of all fathers. Notice how Paul, how Paul describes it in verse 14. From whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Paul says when you pray in moments of your deepest sorrow, you're not praying to just some far off distant creator that set this world in motion. You're not praying simply to the king of the universe who reigns and rules. But my friend, when you pray and when you bow your head before the Father, you're praying to the Father who in all he does is good. And God's desire for each of us this morning, God is for you. And God wants some tremendous things to, to come through your life because notice what Paul says. He, we pray this way according to the riches of his glory. According to the riches of his glory. I don't know about you. Any of you love Amazon as much as I do? I, I like, I, I'm sure there are people all over the world that love and appreciate Amazon, but I appreciate it so much more living in Catawba, Virginia. You know, I'm like 30 minutes from the nearest store, but, but UPS can be at my house tomorrow. 
in some way, in the scheme of how I think about it, tomorrow at noon by UPS sounds so much better than in 30 minutes for me and Roanoke, you know? I have a UPS driver at my house almost every day. I'm, I'm dead serious. I, I feel like him and I are getting so close, I need to start leaving him something in my mailbox to show my appreciation for him, you know? Like, I feel like I almost know him by the first name. Jessica and I, we love Amazon. We got a Prime account, Prime shipping, boom, here it is. And Jeff Bezos, let me tell you, is a genius. Because he invented that little buy now with one click thing. You don't even have to think about it. You can just have the thought, I think I need to order, grab the phone, boom, it's here tomorrow. And you know what happened because he did that? You know what happened because he's come up with this ingenious thing called Amazon? Well, he's now the richest person in the world today. His wealth is upwards of $177 billion. Can I say that again? $177 billion, that's what people say his net worth consists of. Now, that's pretty crazy when you think about the net worth of the average American household. The average American household net worth, they tell us, is about $118,000. And Jeff Bezos' net worth is $177 billion. Do you know the difference in that? If the diameter of this Oreo cookie was your net worth the net worth of Jeff Bezos would be two times the width of the Grand Canyon. Does that put it in perspective for anybody? Look at that. Think about how many Oreo cookies <laughs> would take, not to fill the Grand Canyon once, to fill it twice. And because of that, you know what Paul says? Paul says, we pray to the Father according to the riches of his glory. You know, Jeff Bezos is pretty rich, but he's really not as rich as people that have come before him in other centuries. I think about a guy named John D. Rockefeller. How many of you heard of John D. Rockefeller? Probably one of the richest men to have ever lived. Back in the 1913s, his wealth estimated to be $900 million. You say, wait a minute, $900 million? That's nowhere close to Jeff's $177 billion. But if you think about the equivalent of that in our economy today, that 900 million back in 1913 is more like 190 billion today. And near the end of his life, Rockefeller would go around and he started handing out these dimes to almost every person he met, which doesn't seem very significant to us, but in his context and in his day, it was pretty significant. It would be as if, like today, Jeff Bezos, everywhere he went, had a big old backpack of $5 bills, and every person that met him, he'd hand him one. But listen, Paul's talking about how God, God the Father's heart is for his children, and the resources of the Father is not limited. Because God doesn't give you out of his riches. He gives you according to to his riches. And the Bible tells me that my God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And I don't know about you, but that makes me realize that God's riches are not limited. Which is great news for me as I come in prayer to the God of the universe because I now pray to one who owns everything. He owns everything. And in Christ as an heir of Christ and being in God, in Christ, in this new family, 
you and I are now given not out of God's riches, but according to his riches. And you say, well, what's the point then of Paul's prayer? Paul's reminding the church that God has more than sufficient resources to meet their request. Oh, may God forgive us for our poor, small-minded praying. Don't we pray so small-minded? How many of us ever pray and we say, God, I know this sounds like a really big thing. You think God's ever like, whoo, that's a big one. But how often do we pray that? Like, Lord, this is impossible. We, we, we start our prayers with so much fatalism, you know? We're like, Lord, I, I, this is just, you, you don't know. And God knows. There's been something in my life I've been per- praying about personally for a number of weeks. And just this past week, God uh, came through in such a breakthrough way personally in my life to confirm his leading, his direction for me. What God, I feel like, is doing in our, my life and in the life of our church. And, and, and it was one of those things where, where I, I told Jessica, I came home and I said, I said um, it was like, how, how many of you ever had God answer a prayer so profoundly that you couldn't have known it any other way? You know what that does for our own soul and our own heart? Man, it grows our confidence in the Lord, doesn't it? It's like, Lord, let me, uh, talking about impossible things. God gives us not according to his riches. He gives us out of his riches. And Paul wants the church to understand this is so important that, 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 that Paul understood his encouragement for life, his, his source of encouragement in life was, was because of the heart of the Father. But Paul understood that, that, that regardless of where he was in life and the things that he felt pressed by, Paul was encouraged because he knew that God was not limited. And he was praying to God in such an unlimited way for this church that they might experience so many things. Notice Paul, he tells us the source of his encouragement. He says first, it's from the heart of God the Father, but secondly, it's from the strength of God's Spirit. Notice what he says in verse 16. He says that according to the riches of his glory, God the Father, that he may grant you what? To be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being. Look, I don't know where you're at this week, and I certainly don't know all the emotions of things you felt. But maybe this morning you feel distracted or depressed or doubting or, or discouraged. But can I tell you some great news? The, the, the source of our encouragement comes through the power and the ministry of the Spirit of God within us. Like, isn't this what we've been learning as a church the last number of weeks? That God strengthens us by His Spirit in our inner man, in the epicenter of our life. That notice in verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Paul's not talking about conversion here. Yes, it is true that when a person comes to know Christ as their Lord and Savior, the Spirit of God comes to dwell within their life at conversion. But Paul's not talking about conversion. Paul is talking about their daily lived experience. Paul is talking about that the church would have an awareness of God's presence in their life. The Puritans used to say it this way, that Christ would be formed in the hearts of believers. What do they mean by that? They mean the thing that Christ loves that you would love. And the thing that Christ hate, you would hate. And the things that Christ longs for, you would long for. 
And that's what Paul's talking about, that the Spirit of God, that Christ may dwell in our hearts. He's not talking about conversion, although that's where it begins. Paul's talking about every day in the life of a believer, they might have more and more and more awareness of the fact that God's Spirit is dwelling in them. I'm convinced of this. I've been convinced of this in recent days. That as a pastor, my words fall short. As a friend, my abilities fall short. But God's not lacking. And the greatest thing that could happen in the life of each one of us today, regardless of where we're at in life, is for you, my friend, to begin to have a greater awareness of God's Spirit at work in your life than you did the week before. So many of us, our thoughts of the Spirit of God are not present in our life. And God, more than anything else, wants you to have this awareness that in your life today, the good Father is at work and He sent His Spirit to dwell within you and that every day of your life, He's molding you and shaping you and conforming you and forming you more into the image of His Son. And God's doing this every day in your life. And so when there's moments in our life where we don't really understand it, when there's moments in life where we just feel completely pummeled, when there's moments in life where we're struggling to move forward, it is this promise that anchors the Christian because it helps us each understand that we can be strengthened by the Spirit of God in our inner man. You see, the encouragement for Paul was knowing the heart of the Father, but secondly, notice it was because of the strength of God's Spirit. And then finally, notice what Paul says, that the source of his encouragement came from the love of God's Son. Notice verse Notice the end of verse 17, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with how many of the saints? How many of the saints? All the saints. What is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth? And to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, and that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Notice what he says there, that you. Turn to your neighbor and point to him and tell him you. Hey, Paul's talking about all the saints. That means none of us are excluded in this. This is something that God desires for his church, and he desires for each one of us that know Christ Jesus as our Savior. You say, Pastor Aaron, what does God desire for my life? What does God want me to know? He wants you to know this. He wants you to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge and that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. How does this work its way out? What does this look like in our life? Paul's talking about individually that each one of us, notice I love the picture that he uses, being rooted and grounded in love. It's this picture that, that love is something that is a nurturing atmosphere. Love is a solid foundation. I've been around my house a lot recently and I've been planting plants and I just the other week bought a number of plants that I'm lining the uh, front entry to my house with and and as I put them in the soil, you know, I got I to gotta dig out around uh, some of that rock and the, the hard clay. And, but, then, but then I form, I put this plant in the ground, but then I begin to reinforce it with some good soil so that it nourishes it. And then I cover it on top with some of that, uh, 
mulch, you know? And I'm providing a good foundation so that years from now, this plant is still thriving. And that's the picture that Paul uses here. That the love of Christ would so surround you as a person. That the love of Christ would so anchor you and root you in the reality of what God is doing and what he has done for you. And, 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 and notice he pictures this solid foundation that they may know the love of Christ. Paul says, how do you measure the love of Christ? You measure it with a bucket, you know, or in acres, or how, how, do, you measure, how do you measure the love of Christ? I think about what Jerry Bridges, one author, he put it this way. He said, if we want proof of God's love for us, we must first look at the cross where God offered up his son as a sacrifice for our sins. Calvary, Calvary is the objective, absolute, irrefutable proof of God's love for us. It's this. It's this. It's all about the cross of Christ. But how many of us sometimes really struggle to comprehend the love of God for us? You know, there's a lot of things in the Christian life and in Christian experience that I think sometimes there's things in life that as human beings, we really wrestle with, we really grapple with. And as a pastor, I've found this to be true as I have conversations with people that often there seems to be kind of this handful of things in the Christian life and Christian experience which Christians know to be true, but sometimes we struggle to see how that affects real life, how that is impacting our life. And I feel like some Christians, and probably all of us, right, live with this gap between who God has revealed himself to be and then the things in life that we actually experience from God. And I think a lot of us have a gap in our life. If, we really, if we're really honest and think about it, I think we probably have a gap between what we believe about God and then the things that we've experienced from God. And I think one of those gaps in our Christian experience is probably summarized this way. I know God loves me, but I don't always feel it. How many of you would raise your hand and say, I think I've been there before. I know that God loves me, but I don't always feel it. You know what Paul's praying in this passage? He's praying that the church would feel it. He's praying that not only would they comprehend some things and know some things, but Paul says that with all the saints that they might experience it in such a way that they understand the breadth and the length and the height and the depth. You see, to fully experience the love of God for us, to fully and truly, I think, fully experience the love of God, you and I find and experience that love when we are surrounded with God's people. I think in moments where we really struggle, does God love me? There's probably some moments where we're not really well surrounded with the body of Christ that are to display God's love in a really visible and tangible way. But come on, think about this for a minute. I want you to put your think cap on for a second. Don't you know that this is true? Don't you know this is true? It's one thing to intellectually or academically say that Jesus died on the cross for us and to believe it 
to know it is true. But it's a far different thing to be surrounded by the love of other believers, to experience the embrace of someone else, to be blown away with a sacrificial act of somebody else as they demonstrate demonstrate God's love in a very visible and tangible way. So if we want to understand the love of God, I don't believe you can do that individually. I think we experience that more fully when we experience God's people. Right here. And not just here, but our brothers and sisters in other churches around the world this morning. It gives me a glimpse of what God's love is like because I see how God's changed other people and their crazy love for me. How many of you are tracking with me this morning? How many of you are there? So what does this mean? Well, Paul is giving us the source of his encouragement. He wants us to understand that there's a way that it moves from a you thing to a y'all thing. And the way that happens is when we display the love of God to one another. Sometimes I think we sing it better than we explain it. Listen to this hymn. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. Could we with ink the ocean fill and were the skies of parchment made where every stalk on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade? To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from star, from sky to sky. Can I tell you, I think God's love is most greatest and most fullest, fully experienced in the moments of our greatest weakness. The Bible says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And in the moments of our earthly experience where we feel so weak, discouraged, go back to your emotions from this morning. Whether you're discouraged or in shame or filled with joy, what we need is to fully experience the love of God for us. And we experience it when we understand the heart of the Father, when we understand the strength of the Spirit of God, and when we see the love of God's Son. So notice verse 20, So to him who is able to do far more exceedingly abundantly than we can ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Can I ask you a question this morning? When was the last time you prayed that way for someone else in our church? Because that speaks to deep need. I don't know where you're at this morning, and certainly I could not know this in a room this size. But I wonder this morning if you're struggling to determine where is your encouragement coming from 
As a Christian this morning, what God wants us to understand is my encouragement comes from the heart of the Father and through the strength of the Spirit and the love of the Son. And when those three things, that God's, God's fullness is, is in and working through my life, I'm surrounded in this perfect love, a love that casts out fear, a love that shows me my purpose, a love that, that fulfills my deepest desires. And it's a love that can't be found anywhere else, can't be found anywhere else than in God himself. Would you bow your head with me this morning and let us pray? Our emotions are like motions, you know, they're carrying us forward somewhere. There's a lot of things we can't understand and I don't know where you're at this morning and what you feel. Sometimes we can't, I don't think, fully understand what God is doing in our heart, what he's doing in our life. But where is your emotions at this morning? I think that may be a good gauge of where your life is at. And if you were to think about where would this emotion take you, where is this emotion leading you? Would you say that that's taking you to a place of peace, a place of joy, a, a place of purpose? Or this morning, maybe better yet, in that emotion, maybe you would learn and turn to God and find him sufficient and draw your strength for this season upon uh, from him. Father, I pray for each person that is here this morning that, Lord, you would meet them where they're at. Lord, help them to understand your amazing love. May we think about the cross of Christ and just how far away and impossible it would have been for us to be made right with you apart from your grace. And Lord, let us see that in love you pursue us and in love you came. And Lord, as you gave your life, you did so to, in, in place of people that hated you and despised you. But Lord, you've offered us eternal life and you've given us this new beginning. And so Lord, I pray this morning for those that have been so gripped by an emotion that may be leading them to a place they really don't want to be. Lord, I pray this morning you would help them to find a deeper and more truer source of encouragement that's anchored directly into your life, into who you are. And so I pray that, Lord, you would help us this morning as we as a church walk and follow your leading, as we walk and follow you, that, Lord, we would be fully convinced that you are able, that there is nothing in our life that, uh, Lord, you're not, you don't know, that you're fully aware of our life, and, Lord, you say there's far more exceeding things that you want to do in, in our life and in this church for your glory. So give us a heart that, Lord, believes you, and trust you. Lord, we, we know our weakness this morning and we're thankful for that because in our weakness is where we find your strength. We ask these things in the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ, all God's people said, amen.